E-S-N-Y. We're back. Uh, Kiyoshi, you had something you wanted to kick the show off with, right? Actually, yeah, I did. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, what we got? Oh, it was um just a little... A little ditty? I was getting kind of nostalgic, so I figured I'd, you know, bring this... There's no way right now. There's no way. This just in. This just in. The Brooklyn Nets ain't shit. Had to get that out of our system There's to start the no show. Way right now. Okay, kill the music, kill the music, kill the music. Uh, yeah, I know, that, yeah, I know you're not talking. No, 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 we oh, are talking. talking. We, we are talking. You get the super Listen. team act like, oh, we're going to the NBA Finals. We're going to the NBA Finals. Giannis, like, oh, oh, what now? Oh, Chris Middleton. Giannis. Money, Giannis. money, right. money shot. Chris yeah, money Middleton. The me, Brooklyn me. Nets should go back to Jersey. Fake New York team, NBA gentrification. And all millions of dollars you invested in fucking three players, your bench ain't shit. I, I mean, yeah, Nash did a lot with basically they basically you basically got a Ferrari, but now you want to now you want to catch with us, okay? Of course, on the couch. probably take it to the take it to the East. You know what I'm saying? So you know we just have to throw that in there. It's because we love you, Lean. It's because we love you. This is tough love. Nah, like the, the Hawks are going to destroy the Bucks. Let's just let's just. Call this, it. this is a way. This is a waste of my time. The, the wild thing is that just real quick before again we actually get into baseball, the Hawks are playing with with house money. They have literally nothing to lose, and when you have teams that are that dangerous, they might. I want Giannis to go through just because he's. I feel like the, there's more pressure on him, and he finally has a surrounding cast, but. We're not here specifically for our hot NBA playoff stakes. We're here for baseball. Aren't we, Lean? Lean, I think she muted us. Lean <laughs> she muted might us. have. Lean I, muted I did us. not, but I came close. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to entertain this. She, she's, she's plotting our, our Nick stats right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm-hmm. It, this, this, is, this is recorded. This is on tape. This is on wax. Lean, the, Bro- the, the Brooklyn Nets literally Lean. just lost the game. So. Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> can we please get started before? Yeah, we can. Hi, folks. It's uh, Josh Lee and Kiyoshi back with Yankees Mets Express, part of uh, good. Elite Sports New York, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports, part of Crossing Broad, Excel Media, Warwick Gaming. Uh, we're starting with the Mets per usual. Uh, Lean, Jacob Degrom. First off, I, it's got to the point where if the trainer comes out in the first inning, they just need to flat out ask him, "Can you pitch through this?" Because all of the first off, all of this. Oh, like taking it out of the game next day. Oh, he's fine. He's going to make his next start. None of that. Just why don't ask him, can you pitch? More importantly, now Marcus Stroman is actually injured and it's at the worst possible time. Yeah, man. Like w- with the Grom, um, I, like he's been getting hurt in his last like consecutive few starts. And I kind of was just at the point where even after not like two days ago start, the one before that, when he left the game, I was like, even if everything comes back fine, he needs to not start for, in my opinion, at least two games. And then he came in and started. And I was like talking to my brother. I was like, what the heck? Like, why are they, why are they doing this? And he was like, you need to understand that like the Mets are in a really crucial spot right now and they need all hands on deck. I, and I, like, I guess it's understandable, but you're still running a risk with him. And I think that, I I like I think it was good that he looked good. He was amazing. Like two, I think he allowed like two hits over five innings or something. He looked great. Um, but then to make the situation worse, now you have this whole Marcus Stroman thing. And- uh, Lean, sorry to interrupt. You you mentioned the term all terms on uh, all hands on deck or, or safe it rather. Yeah. And like if your team is in all hands on deck mode, because we're recording this, it is June twenty third. And we're recording. That's apologies for any construction noise, folks. I'll mute myself when I'm talking. If you are in all hands on deck on June 23rd and in, somehow in first place, that says a lot about the mess that the previous front office made of this roster. I mean, the, the look, I, I mean, I think it's all hands on deck with regard to the pitching because, like, 
you have Noah Syndergaard, who is coming off of, who's still recovering from Tommy John surgery and then faced a setback. And then Carlos Carrasco, he's, you know, he also like, he, he was injured in spring training. Now he also faced a setback. And then Joey Lucchese got off to a terrible start and then was so, so good. He has, I think a 1.19 ERA in his last like five starts. Now he has to go undergo Tommy John surgery. I think it's just like a lot of classic, like unfortunate Mets injury situations. Um, and well, let, let's look at the timing of this because Kiyoshi, you look like you are dying to say something on this, but you also have the Mets schedule, um, right? Games in the next seven days, and not that this has anything to do with anything. Your yeah. construction kind of sounds like you're farting, so just putting that out there, I think it's kind of funny, Thanks. but anyway, Appreciate what that. I was gonna say is because of the fact that we're so kind of sort of the end of pandemic, we actually the Mets actually have uh two double actually, no, I'm not, I'm not sorry. Sorry, they had a doubleheader on Monday, and they have another doubleheader against the Phillies. Is it tomorrow? No, in two days. Sorry, in two days against the Phillies, and then got two more um, with the Phillies on the 26th and 27th, and then they have uh, a one-off against the Nationals, and then two more against the Braves. So, and if and then if you look at the standings. The Mets are still in first place for a game lead. So even though it, this is a tough stretch and the Mets aren't per se, are kind of like hitting a bit of a low, they're going against the NLEs. So they can only, if anything, break even if not extend their lead within the NLEs. So, you know, it's, it's a tough little stretch. So, but I, I think the Mets can do it. I think the Mets can, you know, at least pull it, I'd say, out of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out of the eight games. They have eight games from now until the end of June. They could at least get, I'd say, four. I'd say four of those games. Mm-hmm. Knowing knowing, knowing the lead against San Elise, we can at least get four more games. That's another four-game four lead. That's now an eight. That would potentially be an eight-game lead. You know, we'll see. I mean, what do you think? Uh, going back to Strowman real quick, I think what you like just said, Kiyoshi, about like the Mets schedule, I think that's another thing that makes you kind of freak out about Marcus Strowman. Like, for one, he's been unbelievable this season. He's been one of the best pitchers in the NL. Um, like we said, the Mets pitching situation is a little bleak right now. You have so many injuries and it's a crucial time. They have so many games coming up. I don't know if you guys saw like about an hour ago or something, Stroman tweeted, uh, everything's all right. I think or everything's going to be all right. Something like that. So I think like I, at least for Mets fans, uh, they're probably hoping that that means good news that the injury isn't serious and he's not going to be out for some time. Um, but uh, so yeah, I think that's why like the Stroman situation is a little is a little scary, but uh, it's so- also scary just because like Lee, you, like in in the notes uh, you put together for the show and you were like wonderful enough to do do for us. So thank you for hey, that. Hey Josh, Josh, yeah, can you, can yeah. Excuse me, you're yeah. farting all over the mic. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, there's construction hey. happening outside my apartment. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. But at least we can make fun of it though. But please. Go ahead. <laughs> Anyway, as I speak over this this camera drill, I'm not sure if our wonderful listeners can, can hear that. Lean, you said like, oh, like try and look at the Mets roster. Who's going to fill in for Strowman? They have to take game stretch. So yeah, it's Raven Porto and Jeff McNeil are coming back, but Strowman has been so important to this team. I don't know who's going to take over for. Oh, yeah. You can have people like replacing him or like filling in for him, but they're not going to be nearly uh, as good. Honestly, like it, it's not going to come down to any one guy, even though, yeah. uh, even though what, even though they got Jared Eikhoff, they've got Yenzi Diaz, they've got uh, Seth Lugo just came back. They're either going to have to, they're either going to have to do a bullpen game or, or you know, you know what? Give Nick Tropiano uh, a chance. He's from West Iceland, so the fan base is already built in. Let him start a game. Or even better, you're, let's get real crazy. Let's start Thomas Sapuki. Let's bring him up for his debut. Let's throw him to the Wolves just for like welcoming the majors because you know what? It's an eight-game stretch in seven games. The Mets, they're that desperate. And the funny thing you mentioned that is all all of those things, as much as you, as much as it's like it's kind of like a, a water experiment and just kind of like just 
throwing caution to the wind, it could work. Like, like I just said, the, the last couple of games, the last eight games are against the NL East, and we already have a four-game lead. So it could work. Mm-hmm. I don't see why not. I don't see why you couldn't throw that the Wazaisa blue that you just mentioned in the doubleheader, in game two of the, of the doubleheader against the Phillies on the 25th. Why okay. not? Yeah. It hurt. You, I already think- have, you already have a lead. You yeah. already have a lead in the NL East. If anything, just bump down two games, you still in the lead. Like, and if anything, even if you let's say you lose, let's say five of those games, you're still a game behind. You can easily get that back. So if anything, in my mind, the Mets can only can't. I mean, yes, they can they can lose, but they can only lose with so much, and they can easily gain back all of that ground. I feel. Um, I think I think this is a good segue into um, like talking about uh, the offense. So like, so Kiyoshi, we were just talking about how, you know, the Mets can win these games and stuff and they can extend their lead uh, in the NL East. But uh, we have to, if, if you've noticed, we have to take into account that the Mets offense has really not been doing well these past few games. I think that the fact that they're getting- it's the NL East special. Like, what? The NLE NLE special. special, not scoring any runs. Oh, yeah, easily, easily. Um, I think it's really important that they're getting guys like Michael Conforto and Jeff McNeil back. Um, but, yeah, they're going to need to get going ASAP. And Brandon Nimmo is on the way as well. But, yeah, the I feel like their offense is going out at, like, a pretty, pretty bad time. Um, Kiyoshi, do you, have, do you have numbers for us about the Mets offense? I do. So... Uh, within the last seven games, they've only scored 13 runs, which is good for 20th in the MLB. And in terms of in terms of average, in terms of regular starters, um, within the last seven games, it's been pretty atrocious. You have Bill McKinney, who's batting 063, Kevin Pillar, who's batting 111, and Jeff McNeil, who's batting 143. Well, Jeff McNeil's only been back for like two games, I think. Right, but then, but then you dig a little bit deeper, and then you got Francisco Lindor, who's batting one seventy nine, James McCann, who's batting two twenty two, Jonathan VR, who's batting two hundred. Then you go to slugging, and it's not that much better anyway. You have Peter Alonso, who's slugging three sixty four, and that's probably as good as you're going to get. You have McCann, who's batting uh, an even three thirty three. VR, who's batting three, uh, who's hitting 300. Dom Smith, 278. It's... See, I'm hearing all this, and, and I, I'm, all, I'm hearing all this, and I can't help but wonder, how much of an, of an impact did Chili Davis actually have? Because the players were apparently pissed that he was fired, and they're still struggling. So, mm. so like, oh, they fired Chili Davis as they were struggling. Oh, wait, they, wait, now they're still struggling. Maybe Chili Davis wasn't the problem. Maybe it's the roster that Brody Van Wagen and all the various, like... Wilpon puppets who preceded him put together. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. To play devil's advocate, though, Josh, to what you're saying, like, obviously, no one is going to defend Brody Van Wagenen. He might be the worst GM I've seen in, like, any sport. But at the same time, like, if you look at these players, like, on paper, they're a vast majority of them are really good. So I think, like, it's kind of hard to dog the roster. Like, you have... Uh, Francisco, well, okay, Francisco Lindor came after, but like P- Pete Alonso was sensational in his rookie season. Um, you, Jeff McNeil, like we all, Jeff McNeil, when he's at the top of his game, he's one of the best hitters like in the league. Uh, JD Davis, we saw what he's done since arriving in New York. Brandon Nimmo, since last season, like leads NL hitters in a bunch of different categories. And I think Michael Conforto had an MVP caliber season last year. So, like, I think I, I, it might be a hitting coach situation, even after like Chili Davis was fired. That's what's weird about it. They weren't hitting. Chili Davis was fired. They started hitting, and now they're just completely like Kiyoshi. You just said the numbers for us. They've completely just hit a roadblock. So I don't know what it is. They might need like a better hitting coach at this point. Right. It. It's um. It's it's really it's it's tough. And to your point, you know, you you fire Chili Davis, and then things went up, and then they went 
right back down. And like you said, he was um like um uh what's there you go, Josh. Wow. Um, like you said, fan favorite and struggling. The wild thing is that the Mets at least have a little bit of breathing room to kind of figure themselves out because the analyst is so bad. They like the, this is the only division where a team can, like you've mentioned many times before, Josh, can fail upwards. They have, like I said, mm-hmm. have a four-game lead for the rest of the month. We're only playing the, the NL East, which is which is literally under them and to some to some degree beneath them. So they can afford to kind of find maybe try to find a good a good hitting coach. They can try to kind of fix things. They can try to um, try to see what's going on with Marcus Stroman. And well, well Kiyoshi, all you also mentioned this to fail upward. You said how the NL East is so bad. They've got the Braves. They got the Phillies. They've got that one game against the Nationals coming up. Uh, now, granted, right. like the Braves especially have a lineup that could go off at any moment. They've got Dancy Swanson. They've got Freddie Freeman. They've got my main man, Ozzy uh, Albies. By the way, the Braves actually was safe. And I were watching my brother and I were watching a Mets game and they were talking about the Braves like briefly. They actually noted that the Braves lineup has not been bad at all. Their main problem is the pitching. Their pitching has been some of the worst in the league. Well, they also have a lot of injuries to their pitching yeah, staff of so, course. yeah like Soroka Soroka yeah and yeah. Uh, and Ian Anderson he's kind of like running yeah. into that sophomore right. slump but yeah. at, but at the same time like like we've seen how much the Braves have struggled this year we've seen how much the Phillies have the Nationals like there's no telling which version of them is going to show up on any given night mm-hmm. but also maybe this is just the state of baseball these days like so it could be that yeah this eight this like seven these uh, eight games in seven days, it's a, it's like a, it's a paper tiger and not as scary as it looks, but the Yankees, like, look, they, they just can't, went off. were in a awful five and 12 stretch then went five and one, one week. So maybe baseball has just become a streaky game right now. And that, and the Mets yeah. just, and Mets are just a victim of that. I don't know. Right. No, that's, that's completely plausible. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with both of you. I, I feel like um, that, like I said, the Mets, are the only team are in the only position where, where they can go through all a lot of change within this division because that division is so bad. If you put the Mets where the Yankees are, they're fucked. Because every, like even even the Orioles, like every now and then they can they can they they can hit. They can just tear the cover off the ball. Yeah. Like with even with the even with the uh, the Blue Jays. With all the juniors, tear the cover off the ball. The same thing. Pitching isn't isn't is pretty decent either. Obviously, we all we know what's going on with the Rays and the Red Sox. But I think if I were the Mets, if hopefully if I were the Mets front office, I would try to take advantage of how shitty our division is and just say, look, let's let's get these guys healthy. Let's try to bring up some talent. See what it is. If it works, great. Let's stick with it. If not, then we, at least we have a bit of a cushion to either extend our lead or at least hold off everyone else because they ain't doing shit. I mean, if you notice, the one thing I haven't even brought up yet was the Marlins because they're almost like, they're almost a non-factor. Yeah. So. No, yeah, no, I know. I completely, I, yeah, I think we hit the nail on the head with this. Um, but yeah, I think uh, to, speaking of like injuries and stuff, I guess is a good segue into the Yankees. Um, I think that, uh, Luke Voigt, Josh, uh, I think he's coming back at the perfect time. Uh, the Yankees could not like the I, perfect I think time with an absolute bomb of a home run. Oh, yeah, that was the bad. first pitch. Yeah, the yeah. very first pitch he saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, that, I, I'm very happy. happy he got robbed of a second home run. I'm sorry, Lee, real quick. He almost good, he got dude. robbed of a second home run. Like that was over. It's, it's, if you kind of look at it, it looked like it was well over the fence. If no one touched it, it was well over the fence. Yeah. Actually, Casey, now that since you're since you're already talking, give us some. Uh, well, we know that the Yankees are one of the worst teams in the league at first base when Luke Voigt is not around. Do you have some numbers for us? Well, um, I, mainly I have some numbers on Chris Giddens because 
I could bring up Mike Ford. I mean, we already know how like hard hit. No, Mike Ford. We no. Who's Mike Ford? Hard hit and Chris Gittins. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So with actually found some interesting things about him. So as we know, he's in 0.95, slugging 238. But for whatever reason, he's hitting 333 in the fourth inning and 500 in the seventh inning. <laughs> like you, you can't but, make but this. How many, but how many plate appearances is that? It's a super small um, sample size. Yeah, I can't imagine that he's one. hit like often in like the seventh inning, for example. I mean, it, it it's just so weird that in those two, like if you look at every other inning, like first inning, nothing, second inning, nothing, third inning, jack shit. Like he's only hitting at all in those in the fourth and the seventh inning. I just thought it was like it, so interesting. But um, when you say the numbers like that, it is funny. But like, but then you know that the sample size is ab- is like minuscule. It's very small. Yeah, like it's and, and you're right. It is. It, it is very small. Yeah. It's. I mean, he's only been part of. The, he's only been on the Yankees for maybe ten games. Maybe. I mean. Yeah. But I I am definitely glad to have Voight back, and it's very evident to see. His his immediate immediate impact. So hopefully he can stay okay. healthy. Hopefully Chris. Um, my my hope is that Chris Gittens is just getting used to playing in the major leagues, and as he potentially gets more playing time, those numbers will get up, and it'll hit in other innings other than the fourth inning and the seventh inning. So you know we'll see. But let's. But like I said. I'm happy. I'm happy that Boyd is back. Hopefully, he will stay healthy for the duration of this of the season, and um, uh, hopefully, we can have a repeat of 2020 and, and or 2019. Really. So, what, what what were the Yankees' first baseman not named Luke Boyd doing? So I, I have the stats. The, I have the stats. You don't talk the Yankees about. at first base without Voight. Uh, I have some stats. Slash line is 214, 305, 317, um, 77 weighted runs created plus, and a negative 0.1 war. Yes, network during uh, the Yankees game, I think it was two days ago, they showed some like stats of uh, Yankees' first baseman this season. They were last in like every category. And like they put three different categories. I can't remember what they are. I want to say like one was like ribbies, another was batting average. They were last in every category except for one. And that one category, they were 28th. So I think that shows you that the Yankees really, really have struggled. Even like DJ LeMayhew, DJ LeMayhew, for some odd reason, plays, he's not having a particularly good season, but for some reason he plays worse when he's at first base, which is so like interesting. And for what it's worth, he's getting, he's slowly getting better, but he's also getting better at, while he's playing second base with, to your point. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so this, I mean, that's, yeah, I guess the Yankees are getting Voight back at a great time. Uh, Josh, what do you, what do you think of Garrett Cole lately, bro? Um, I mean, Garrett Cole, he neither confirmed nor denied that he does do sticky stuff. And look, people don't seem to understand as I, as I try to speak over construction. Sticky stuff is just like steroids. Major League Baseball was fully aware that, that people were using it. So were the owners. So were the players. So are the managers. Everyone knows, okay, this is a thing. We're not going to say something unless it is absolutely ridiculous. This year, it got ridiculous. DJ LeMayhew has said, like, I don't mind if pitchers use sticky stuff. It's part of the game. And I'm not sure that, like, the use of sticky stuff this season is why I struggled. But, and he said this, I think, to Maris He said, like, there are some pitches this season that I have never seen in all my years of playing baseball. And as we saw with Garrett Cole last night, his spin rate is way down. That's not to say he was bad, but he wasn't like double digit strikeout Garrett Cole. He was just, he was like, I don't know, more of a finesse guy, I guess. 
I, I'm not I'm not worried about him. He's still looking fine. I'm not ready to call him Pickens Jason Giambi just yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I actually read something interesting. The Yankees are eight and seven this season with Cole on the mound, which like obviously like win loss record, and I've said it multiple times my opinion on it, it's stupid. But For pitchers especially, not to mention he's getting maybe like two runs of yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's so many external factors. And I feel like for some reason, the bullpen just decides to implode when he plays. It's very odd. It reminds me of Jacob deGrom of the last, like, three-ish years. Um, but I, I personally, I, I'm definitely not going to say, like, oh, Cole sucks. Like, he's only good because of the sticky stuff. But I, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't a little concerned because it's pretty evident that, like, he hasn't been great lately um kiyoshi do you want to read off like his uh, cole's recent numbers for us it's funny you mentioned that because i was just about to interject and say <laughs> that uh excuse me that if you look at um cole during i'd say what is it during april and even into may he's had games where he's striking out eight 13 8 10 12 4 and 12, and I say within the last five, going from last night backwards, struck out six, four, nine, seven, and five. He hasn't even touched double digits since May the 12th. That was his last double digit strikeout game. Wow. So the writing's on the wall. However, He's still, it's not like he's he's losing, it's not like he's losing um, stamina or endurance. He still, he's not even losing velocity. He, actually, did he, I think it might have been like a couple of pitches that touched 100. I remember seeing it like he touched 100 twice last night. His fastball was consistently sitting around 96, 97, which is about his quicker average. Right. So it's, and so it's not like he's, I wouldn't say that he's losing that much velocity because he can he can still get it up to a hundred. He's just not doing it as as consistently, and it may, kind of makes you wonder what what substances, if any, what changed between what changed actually what changed in in April. No, I'm sorry, what changed in May? Well, probably the crack, probably more of the crackdown. So, mentioning like what what has he changed? What has he not been allowed to do? I mean, he's still, in the grand scheme of things, he's still fairly dominant. And yeah, and across the board, he hasn't given up. He's only given up more than two earned ones once. And I'm pretty sure that was the, is that the Tampa Bay game? I believe that was the Tampa Bay game. Um, where he went, or the or the tech, it was either the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, I think it was the Tampa Bay game where he, where he um. He went seven, but gave up five and wasn't really wasn't really feeling. He also striked up four uh, four batters in that game. So it's as much as as much as we hate, I would hate to admit it. Something something's up, but I think it's up to the pitcher to say, okay, they're cracking down on this. How can I adjust? I feel like Cole has been able to re- relatively has been able to adjust. And still get guys out, and still give the Yankees quality innings because he's only went less than I'd say six innings. What one, two, three times, and most of his games he's going seven or eight. Like for the last five, he's gone seven innings, eight innings, six, five, six, and seven. So he's going to give you a quality certain amount, which is great because now obviously that that rests the bullpen a lot more. I think. The question is, is, is how is he, how is he, how is he going to adjust going forward? Especially with all, especially actually, a little bit of a, a of a slight segue to the with, to the pitcher crackdown. He had to get checked along with a lot of other pitchers, like Scherzer. I mean, not um, yeah, like Scherzer, who was not fond about it and was actually about to go to blows with Girardi. I think that was kind of funny. Same thing with uh, Sergio Romo, who damn near dropped trousers. Just to show, hey, I'm not hiding anything, and I'm sure it's going to get annoying. And I'm sure the Players Association is going to have to speak with with Rob Manfred and say, "Yo, all 
himself has already like, called, has already called out Manfred and the league and said, like, hey, talk to us about this. Like, we're willing right. to find some sort of compromise on this. Right. Because you can't you can't have um, the umpires check a pitcher three times during a game because then then it kind of fucks up then it kind of it, it fucks up their momentum and it frustrates them. Like pitchers, I'd like to think are creatures of habit. They like to. They get into a certain rhythm to get guys out. They like to go back. I'd like to think that some like to analyze, some like to sit alone. We all know that Cole likes likes feedback, likes to analyze. And I think having these constant checks can kind of fuck up his rhythm. And, and not only just for him, but just for other pitchers. I mean, we, like I mentioned, we just saw that Trilder got pretty upset that Joe Girardi felt that he was like, yo, you know, can you, can you check him really? It told the umpires, "Yo, can you check him really quick?" I, I need to. I need to tell yeah. you guys both this. I'm in a group chat with one Phillies fan, and he was like, "Last night, he's like, oh, Scherzer's being a child,' da, 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 da. and everyone is like, no, no, he's just staring down Girardi for being a dick about it.' And Girardi's the yeah. and, Girardi, and Girardi's the one who is like going after an opposing player and getting himself tossed for it. How is Joe Girardi in the right here? Like, he's hey, not. Look, he's Jordan, not. He's no. Look, he's. Look, if, if Scherzer's going to stare Joe Girardi down, Joe Girardi has every right to have feelings about it and be angry about it. He does not have the right to get on the field and like and like make a big scene about it. Mm-hmm. That that's like the really that is that like really Joe Girardi's ejection was the stupidest, most Philadelphia thing I have seen happen on a baseball field in recent memory. And I expect more of someone whose Warriors were being. We were just talking about like uh, momentum and stuff and how like umpires repeatedly checking for sticky stuff is going to mess up pitchers momentums. I think that it it's it really should not be allowed because I can I think you guys would agree I can completely see managers intentionally asking umpires to check multiple times especially if like the opposing pitcher is just absolutely wheeling and dealing and I can completely see them just oh hey um go check the pitcher I think like he's touching his head he's touching his bow he's touching his whatever so I definitely like what Joe Girardi did wasn't cool and uh that should not be allowed under any circumstance you also have to use some goddamn common sense like you're not like don't do it to someone like Scherzer do it to someone like uh, I don't know. Let's just say my Eric, Eric Freddie. But that, but that's yeah. the thing though. Like he, he's gonna. That's kind of what I was saying though. Like it's in Joe Girardi's best interest to do it to a guy like Max Scherzer. You know, like it, it's. I'm obviously not agreeing with it, and I just said like that shouldn't be allowed. But Scherzer is out here, still one of the best pitchers on the planet dealing like beating your team you're gonna tell the ump hey um go check for sticky stuff on scherzer it's it's messed up and it shouldn't be a thing but going back to cole uh josh i wanted to um to pick your brain about this so for me it's like it, it always bothered me but now especially because of his level of play um it's i understand that kyle higashioka hit a home run yesterday but like Garrett Cole, he really needs to learn to pitch to Sanchez. No, like, he does not. I am sick and what? tired. No, I am sick and tired of having this conversation about Garrett Cole and Gary Sanchez. There is no rift between the two. Garrett Cole has sung Gary Sanchez's praises several times. The personal catcher in Major League Baseball has been a thing for years, and I brought receipts. Greg Maddox, his most career games were to either Eddie Perez or Henry Blanco, two career backup catchers. Javi Lopez is fifth on the list with 72 games. Randy Johnson, except for Dan Wilson, it's a who's who of backup catchers. Why are we trying to force a marriage between Gary Sanchez and Garrett Cole? Let sleeping dogs lie. He and Kyle Higashioka work well together. They've known each other since they were kids. Stop trying to mess with the thing. But that's the thing. I don't care if they're working together. Gary Sanchez, especially right now, you could literally make the argument that Sanchez is currently, at this moment in time, the best catcher in Major League Baseball. Okay. Wait, give Aaron Judge and Jim Carl Stan the night off and make Gary the DH. End of discussion. But but that and but we were talking like, about this, Josh. But in the long term, though, this is just like for me, this is something that is unsustainable. Again, I understand that Higashioka hit a home run yesterday, but like 
there are going to be several instances where we see the effect of benching Sanchez over Higashioka or just like even, and you said, give Stan the night off, have Sanchez DH. Like, why are we benching these guys for a guy that can't hit? If you're supposedly one of the best pitchers on the planet, you should be able to pitch to literally anybody. And it's not even that like Sanchez is a defensive liability anymore. You like he's pretty decent. He's been pretty decent at behind the plate. He's Everyone gotten better. Throw to he him. has gotten better. Why can't you throw to him? Why can't can Sanchez I, call a better game? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can you tag me in really quick, Josh? I'm just gonna tap the screen there. So, it's it's funny you mentioned this thing because uh, me and Josh were actually talking about this yesterday. So yes, we all know that Gary Sanchez is he has a hot bat, right? And I think to your point, I think both of you guys are right that you shouldn't bench, um, you shouldn't bench Sanchez, you shouldn't you shouldn't bench a hot hitter. But at the same time, if something is working, then don't fix it. I think what Boone could have done and maybe should have done is have have Sanchez still hit. Should maybe if he hit, maybe one of them won the game uh, last night. Have him hit. So have Higashioka because now you're having the comfortability of of Cole throwing a Higashioka. And how many how many people did he strike out yesterday? He. Let me tell you guys right he now. Struck out six. One second. He struck out six. He struck out okay, six. struck out six. Perfect. Then if you have Sanchez, now he he's getting burned. He's getting his at bats. Maybe there's someone on base. Maybe he hits two, another two more. Maybe he hits another double because he's getting comfortable. So I think it's on Boone to say, "Yo, you know, you especially in a game, especially with Cole starting, you say, hey, especially to give him more runs to say, yo, I'm gonna start Higashioka. He's gonna be behind the plate." I'm gonna have Sanchez. He's gonna hit, and maybe later on when Cole comes out, or or if they were down, have have Sanchez uh, be behind the plate. You know, I think it's good to just to not be afraid to to mix things around to to win games because honestly, we should have won that game last night. Yeah, I did fuck it up. I know. Not not to mention, first off, Zach Britton's apparently healthy. Why wasn't he pitching? Number two, yeah, we've said this about Jonathan Loizaga all the time. Four seams or no seams when it comes to the fastball. He's throwing two seamers left and right last night. What the hell? Yeah, mm. yeah, that was that was an ugly outing for Loizaga. Definitely like his worst uh, of the season. Johnny Lasagna is grounded. Yeah, <laughs> but not for long though, because he's elite. He should. Oh, be I'm mad gone. at him now. <laughs> Stop. Um, okay, so Josh. How do you feel about starting Clint Frazier over Miguel Andujar? Uh, this is a very tough question that I pondered for most of this morning. Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar, with the way, I don't know whether it's, it's they're just not all they're cracked up to be. I don't know whether it's MLB's new ball. It's gotten to the point in left field where the New York Yankees just, they, they got to ride the hot. Like, if Frazier's running hot, start him. He, he goes off great. Subbing in Duhar. Like, I, I really don't know what else to do with this. Part. I think, like, for the most part, I agree with that. But right now you're in a little bit of a weird situation because, like, neither one of them is exactly hot. And and Duhar is in the midst of a small slump. Michael Kay was talking about it yesterday. But you might call me biased because, like, I love Duhar and really don't like Clint Frazier. But, like you kind of saw it with Clint Frazier's at bats yesterday. Like I just, I really, even though Andujar is slumping, there is just nothing from Clint Frazier that I, for, in my opinion, that warrants him getting the start in left field. I, I feel like it's Andujar's job to lose for like the long run. I think if he's just slumping for like a month or so, then maybe like start Frazier. But like, I, I really just don't think Frazier is it. Neither offensively nor defensively, if we're being honest. So real quick, Josh, just real quick. So it's funny you bring that up, Lean, because I was looking at, uh, I was thinking about this. So it depends on what you value. If you value defense, I think you should start Frazier only because I feel that Frazier has shown no matter what game it is, if he, if he thinks he, he can go get it, he can go get it. He's 
dived for, you know, uh, line drives when they were down like five runs, which I thought was really dope. Like he could have been, he could have been like, fuck it, this game's over. But he, I think it was against Chicago where he died for a... Uh, I mean, but bro, but, but like Clint Frazier, dude, like you can look at the numbers. He's having a terrible defensive year. Like, it's like, it's really bad. Well, like he yeah. has negative five defensive run saves saved and negative 5.5 UZR. Uh, I'm about to check. Uh, let, let's look at Miguel Andujar, for example. Um, but see, well, you do that. Miguel Andujar has zero defensive runs saved and a 0.7 UZR. And I haven't even looked at outs above average yet either. So, like, I, for me, like, Andujar is far, far better defensively. And I think I'll, I'll bring it to this. I'll bring it to if you value hitting. And Duhar is a little better, has a little better average. He's batting 241, uh, slugging 463, while Frazier is. Do I have his slugging numbers? I have his slugging numbers. Well, okay. The point is, I don't have his slugging numbers in front of me, but I can tell you this month, he's only had eight hits at 48 plate appearances, and he's only hit one home run with while scoring five runs and five RBIs, but he's walked eight times. I mean, so I feel like he's, to he's, offense he's kind of, of, he's kind of piece of family with him. Either he's going to either he's going to strike out or he's going to walk, which that, that's is what I, not the best. Honestly. Th- that's what I was saying, like, when it came to Ryan the hot hand, because, like, we know that, like, we're not, we sh- we're not going to expect much from them. Between the two, if I have a gun to my head and I got to, like, not, not to get morbid, but if like if I am in a, if I'm in a position where I gotta pick one or the other, I'm gonna pick Frazier just because between the two, I trust him to work and at bat better than Enduhar. Like Enduhar, like he's like he's so trigger happy with the swing, he goes up like and like okay, I gotta get it. It's like playing MLB the show. He's so aggressive, which. Well, like- I don't, I don't, but like you, you see how they've been playing though. Like, and it's not even like, it's not like Duhar's only slightly better over the past month. Frazier's hitting 226 and Duhar's hitting 270. Like, and Duhar is a lot better. And I, Josh, I understand like what you're saying. Usually I'm not going to say now because I completely disagree. Usually Frazier works a better at bat and like we all know, and Duhar probably his most glaring flaw is the fact that he cannot take a walk to save his life. But like, the numbers are all like they favor and do immensely. And I feel like so does the eye test of you. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I feel so much more comfortable. It's not even close when I see Miguel and Duhar on my screen than when I see Clint Frazier. The dude, like, did you see him yesterday? He was, a, he was like our worst player. He was atrocious. And it's funny you, you mentioned that, Lean, because and Duhar. He had bad swings and bad takes, yeah. Right, and he's also his base. His base on ball percentage is almost twice as bad as his strikeout rate. Meaning that his base on his base on balls percentage is six point eight. His his strikeout percentage is thirteen point six. So it's not good. So it feels like you're either he's either going to strike out or he's maybe going to line out. But he's also like I like I just mentioned, hitting. He's a little bit better. He's hitting two forty one. This month, slugging 463, I mean, it's, I get, like I said, it's about what you value. I mean, yes, Lee, you do have a good point about how Frazier's, he's statistically defensively worse. I think from the eye test, like you had mentioned, the fact that he's still willing to die for lineouts, no matter what, I think that those kind of intangibles are are, right, are there, even though I feel maybe. I also wonder if Nduwa might have a better arm just because he's a natural infielder. I don't think he so. does, if I'm not mistaken, but um, but I I don't I mean he might. I don't think so though. But uh, I I mean I don't know. I'm this kind of this is indicative. The fact that we're even having this conversation is indicative of the how serious the Yankees outfield like debacle is. They, in my opinion, you cannot contend 
with this outfield. Like you need to get an outfielder. I think that there's just no hope for this team in the playoffs. If they even make the playoffs, if they do not get an outfielder. By I would, I would time. trade Clint Frazier for Kettle Marte yesterday. Oh, that's not even a question. Yeah. I would do that in my sleep. Wait, um, isn't, wait, I thought Kettle Marte was an infielder, no? Uh, he can play all around. He's yeah, like, he's yeah. kind of like a super utility guy for the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, yeah. regardless of the outfield issues, though, Lean, the Yankees were coming up with big wins against really big teams. I thought that the sweep in of the Blue Jays in Buffalo, like, I don't know about you guys, that series was like giving me heart palpitations. It really was. Because the Blue it, Jays are those such were like a big young team. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, you know me, like, you know that I'm like, I'm super, super pessimistic about the Yankees. And I was talking about this in my Yankees group chat. Um, I think yesterday was ugly and it annoys me that the Yankees can't seem to get wins against like inferior teams. Um, But the fact that the Yankees had those big series wins, including the sweep against Toronto, the fact that they're doing that against actual good teams like what they did with the A's the A's when we when they saw the A's the A's were one of the hottest teams in baseball that's right that's right they've been better than the Yankees this season we know the Blue Jays can mash like for me at least as a a Yankees fan I it was definitely a huge relief to see that because in past seasons like we'll see the Yankees go on hot streaks they'll play like the freaking like the Orioles They'll play like the Tigers, the Royals, and we'll be like, oh, the Yankees are great. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, okay, but they're doing this against some of the worst teams in baseball. This time around, it's nice because they were strug- they've been struggling to start off the season. And now they're actually beating the big dogs. They're beating some of the best teams in the league. It's, so- not, it's not just that. Sorry to interrupt, but like <laughs> we'll point to last night's game as well. And, and we'll throw like two of the open games and the Blue Jays series uh, in two. Last night, especially, oh, like, okay, the Yankees were up in that game. They and Jonathan Lewiska had a rare bad night. Mad as I am at him, we all know, like, it was a fluke. We're not, like, I'm not worried about Jonathan Lewiska. Yeah, for sure. But, like, look, they, they went from being up 3 2 to down 6 3 with six outs to tie the game. And other Yankees, the, the Yankees of old might have been like, oh, six outs ago. They would have laid, laid down and died the rest of the game instantly, two runs back. Like, they, even in defeat, they're, they're fighting in games. Yeah. That's something that we've missed from them this season because... All year long. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand. Look, like, if we were to talk to someone who hates the Yankees, they'd say, okay, but it's against the Royals who have one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball. That's fine. And that's definitely something to consider. But, like, there is no denying that the Yankees for, like you said, all year long, have not had that fight. And that's why we've become so critical of Aaron Boone, because it seems like he has, or at least had, lost the clubhouse. He he lost them to an extent. He can't rile them up in the sa- same way that Luis Rojas gets his team going. Now, in, in games like yesterday, whether it be against the best bullpen or pitching staff in the league or against the worst, it, it was very refreshing to see them have that fight, like you just said. And that's something that they need to maintain regardless of who they play. And I hope they're capable of doing that for the remainder of the season. I said um, when Boone got kicked out of that Saturday game against the A's, like I turned to Caitlin and it happened. I was like, oh, like he got kicked out of the game. Like, and the Yankees were still winning it pretty handily that he might've just gotten the clubhouse back with that. Yeah. Cause pretty much that was him saying to the empire. No, we earned this win. We came back. This is ours. You're just squeezing us because you think you can stop it. Like enough of this crap. Yeah. They know it, it could, it could have been that. And I, I hope so because again, I will never be an Aaron Boone fan now, Like we could, this could be a dynasty team and I will always be critical of Aaron Boone, but I think at the very least, I do, uh, neither I nor any other Yankees fan wants to see him lose hold of the clubhouse, lose the respect of his players. That's something we don't want. So I I hope you're right, Josh. I hope him getting ejected from that game got, you know, got them fired up and that they can just keep building off of that for sure. Uh, Kiyoshi, who's coming up? uh, We got the Royals this week then who's coming up. Yeah, Kiyoshi, can you share us the schedule with us? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, just really quick before I, I do get into the schedule, I, I do want to say um, to your point, Josh, and to a certain point, Lean, that 
since that Boston sweep, we've kind of, I feel like we've, it, it was a gut punch. And I feel like for certain teams, I feel like sometimes the Giants were like this, where they needed to have that, like, pignity, that, that punch of the gut, that whatever, in order to wake them up. And for, for a little bit, we woke up. We took two or three from the Twins, even though we, we lost the, the last, last little mini series against the Phillies. We swept the Blue Jays. And we did we take and we and we took two or three from, from the A's, right? So I felt like we like to your point, even though you might have mentioned that uh that Boone was starting to lose to Clubhouse, I feel like he kind of gained it back because we kind of went on, we like kind of got our mojo back to a certain degree, and then we kind of lost it a little bit by you know by losing it that way to the Royals, but we have two more games against the Royals. Have three games set at Boston, and then another, then uh, three games set at home against the Angels. So, I feel like these are these are winnable games because it's yeah. Because yeah, I, I also meant to point out earlier, this, this kind of talks to like baseball is a streaky game. Yeah, okay, losing to the Royals sucks, but guess what? They just took two out of three from the Red Sox last weekend. Mm-hmm. So like this is and they're they're also less than ten years removed from winning a World Series. Like yeah. the Royals are one of those weird teams where they're like they tank without actually tanking. They're, they just draft really well, and when they decide it's time for a rebuild, they'll just call up all these youngsters and mix and match until they get the formula right. Yeah, and, and it's honestly yeah, the I, best way to run a franchise. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, Josh. And honestly, I think um, the Royals have definitely cooled down a little bit, but they did, I don't think anyone would have expected them to get off to the start they got off to. We have to remember for like a, a several weeks, they were in first place in that division. That division is obviously hot garbage, but even so, no one would have expected that. Um, right, because so, the, the Royals, they're not a bad team. They're just a yeah, young team figuring even, themselves out. Exactly. But like, even so, I think the Yankees, especially with the position they're in, I really think they have no reason to lose either of the next two games against the Royals. And then um, with the Angels series, a sweep would be ideal there because this is the the Angels are a mess. And I think the Red Sox series, that's definitely going to be a that's going to be a test for for this team. This is we're going to be playing the best team in the division. Um, quote unquote, in and Boston, in if, Boston, if, in Boston, in Boston, and I think if they can win the series, I'm not obviously going to say sweep. If they can win the series, then that's a testament to how far this team has come, in my opinion. We're at the point in the season where it's like, don't worry about winning every single game. Just focus on winning series, and then yeah. and then you'll fly. You'll right. slowly 100, get close. 100%, 100%. Speaking of like, as as we're recording this today on Wednesday, June 23rd, we're going against. Uh, Duffy and we have Mike King starting hit on Duffy's ERAs. Uh, he's got a decent inner ERA. Well, he's got a really great ERA, actually. Uh, Duffy was, Duffy's been injured for like months, though. That's, so, yeah, I, I don't think he started very often. Right. So, he's like, so, this is his first start off the IL, so there is hope for the Yankees. Right. So now, so, this, so actually, thank you, Lean. So this should be a point to kind of. Oh, crap. Kiyoshi, I mute. Kiyoshi, I muted you. Kiyoshi, I muted you by accident, but I meant to mute myself. Unmute yourself. I'm sorry, dude. That was my fault. It's it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I know. You, I know. You probably meant to do it to Lane, not to me. It's totally fine. No, I meant to do it. No, I meant to do it to me. <laughs> it happens. My point is, is that if we can take two more from the Royals, and maybe take two more f- from the Red Sox, and then go against the Angels, and the only thing we have to really worry about is tr- is um Trout. And Otani, then you know, Trout, I think we'll be in better Trout shape. Is out, Trout is out for several months. And yeah, Trout's still out for several months. Yeah. Look at that. Meanwhile, so, uh, Lean, you were right. This is Danny du- tonight's Danny Duffy's first start since May 12th against the Tigers. Yeah, there you go. So. And and also, if, if we have any uh, betters or DFS players, I would definitely start Gary Sanchez. I would definitely probably start Judge, also because. If I'm not mistaken, oh, he's a left-hander. So definitely start, try to start Judge. Definitely try to start LeMayhew. Definitely try to start, fuck it, try to start Stanton. 
Like, yeah, I all, think, the, all these guys will start for sure. I, I, I mean, look, I wrote the betting preview for this this morning, so I can tell you right now, uh, I bet the over at 10 or 10 and a half. The Yankees are minus one and a half. So I, I don't know whether I'd get the Yankees or the Royals just because Danny Duffy has improved so much the last couple of years, but I would 100% I would one hundred percent. And by the way, can I put the cherry on top of this entire episode? Do you mind? Just really Go quick. ahead. Yeah. I just found out today or just now. Celtics finalizing an agreement to hire Nets assistant Ime Udoka yeah. as new head coach. It's not a bad hire. It's not. He's a legend. So, you know, I guess the, you know, things are just slowly starting to fall apart for the Nets, huh? Just, not, you know. not, not even a little bit. I mean, I mean I, you're I mean, still I'm, on the couch with us, so. I'm not going to call one of their assistants being hired away as, like, the end of the but uh, I'm just it just oh, takes yeah. one just takes one piece okay anyway um, I, I, I just I serious, serious next question though like before before we wrap things up who thought who in their right basketball I thought okay James Harden vanishes in the playoffs as it is and isn't a great defender nice. let's put him in the game anyway but on one leg dude like you know no, and I, no legs fucking in all seriousness like you guys can like talk smack however much you want. Like it, it, James James Harden, it, uh, it's so hard because I think when KD went off, he he did a good job. Harden, like he was drawing out defenders. I think his presence was pretty important. But in that last game, he was just awful, especially from three. And he's playing on one leg. And I just can't stand Steve Nash. If we're being honest, the dude has no idea what he's doing. Like I'm sorry, Joe Harris. Joe Harris is my favorite player, right? why Joe Harris had one of the worst playoff series I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, in he was bad. Because why he had to, are he you had to be guarded? That's in why. overtime. Like, what are you doing, Steve Nash? Like, the, the dude is clueless. The, I think the best thing for the Nets would be for him to leave, but that's obviously not going to happen. No way KD and etc. are going to want to uh, lose control of the team like that. They want basically a puppet. So I don't know. Whatever. Can we stop talking about the Nets, please? uh, uh, The love of God. Yeah. One more one more basketball aside. Uh, This is just too funny not to share. The Nationals tweeted game tying three pointers in Philly this year. Ben Simmons zero. Kyle Schwarber one. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Ow. Oh my God, that's so savage. Oh. Oh, that was bad. All right. Uh, did we cover everything today? Yeah, we got everything. Yeah, we got everything. All right. Well, th- all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up this week on Yankees Nets Express. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can follow uh, us, follow me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. At lean underscore Amin. And, uh, and myself at It's Kiyoshi on Twitter. And I'm also on Instagram. Hit me up. Give me follow uh, at It's Yosh. And I also just want to point out, it's a special day uh, at Yankees with Express. Tomorrow, it's Lean's birthday. Happy birthday, Lean. What? Yeah. Happy birthday, Lean. I had no idea. Even though I should because you're my co-host, but still, happy happy belated. Thank you so much, Caitlin and Riley. Oh, yeah. I guess that could be the What plans do you have going on for tomorrow? I'm not doing anything tomorrow, but uh, going out with some friends on Saturday. I'm excited for that little party. What what are you doing with them? We're going to an Arab restaurant in uh, in New Jersey. Oh, oh, is this is this the one you've told me about? It's a, yeah, it's yeah, like Josh, a, I told you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Edison, yeah, nice. Yeah, they like that place. So yeah. Who, who gone deck? Hell who yeah. gone deck? That's the reason we're going, baby. There, there's a new yo. Uh, so I, I live in Harlem, Morningside, and as you guys know, a new hookah spot just opened. Like even though it's probably like an inauthentic like New York City hookah spot, I just want to go just to chill the hell out. They Let got us know. Out, yeah. They yeah, got dude, right by one twenty fifth too. <laughs> oh yeah, Harlem hookah. Yeah, Harlem hookah's right there. It's right yeah. there. I think I think that's where it is, but I think I think they're uh, under a new name right now. Yeah, I was like there like a couple months ago. Yeah, you should check it out. Anyone yeah. also for any home residents, Harlem hookah things on like one twenty third and 
It's either Saint I Nick or say Morningside. Like eighth, something like that. Like, yeah, it, like there, Nathan want to say? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like Around Saint there. Nick. It's either Saint Nick or Douglas, one of those two. It's, it's Douglas because it's because uh Saint Nick, it kind of like veers off. Wait. I think he does turn into Saint Nick. I you know, I don't know. It's yeah, in that it, area once we third. Yeah, great. Yeah. I'm sure the listeners are really like excited about these like, the recommendations in Harlem. All right. Got this uh, ex-home wife lives in Stanford now. Like, shut up. <laughs> anyway. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, follow us on iTunes, Spotify, the Brooklyn Nets or NBA gentrification. You all just lost the game. And as always, stand clear of the closing doors. Be safe out there. Peace. <laughs>